0: The following program is intended for mature audiences.
1: Warmest aloha, sir.
2: Hey, Holly. Hi. Holly. to you, too. He's so hauli, he doesn't even know he's hauli.
0: I'm
3: tempted to say menehine. Like Hawaiian leprechauns. <laughs> <laughs>
2: or chipmunks or something.
1: What's wrong with that turtle? He has lung
2: problems because he smoked too much turtle weed, which is bad, here, right Ola? What? Hawaii has a big future. I, I, I want to become a part of it. I know every angel of these islands. I'm like a good tourist guy. What we're about to say
4: see we're on a mission Trying to find a way If you
0: La Hina Where the sun shines bright each day
2: Far across the sea
0: La Hina, I remember youthful days fragrant blossoms Everywhere for
2: you
1: and for me,
0: a million lutes, a million guitars, oh. Beautiful and peaceful land, part of old part of my name Nestled by the sea. Fly Beautiful Lahaina, where the sun shines bright each day. Far across the sea, Lahaina, I remember you full days, fragrant blossoms everywhere
5: and welcome to Living the Aloha Life, podcasting Pono on the 808. I'm the poor man.
3: And I'm um, Dr. Aloha.
5: And we just came into a song from Maui today called Lahaina by Haleakala. We're going to be doing the podcast on Maui Strong. We'd like to mention this pre podcast is ad-free and sponsored by the patrons that continue to financially support what we do here at the Aloha Life. If not for them, we wouldn't have the podcast at all. So, mahalo nui loa to our patrons on Patreon.
3: Absolutely.
5: Okay, first we'd like to discuss the reasons for this podcast delay because we wanted to, you know, have it come out like a week ago, uh, and it it was going to be obviously on the fires of Hawaii, but we, well, we're going to get into it, why?
3: Yeah, I mean, everything kept coming out still. We weren't ready.
5: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's all came down to. That's just the beginning. Yeah. Number one. Everyone on the internet are private, professional investigators, and everyone on the internet are experts in every professional field. (laughs) 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 I'm joking.
3: No, I know what you're saying. (laughs) Um,
5: I don't know where these roaches come out of the woodwork to go ahead and decide that they're going to be all of a sudden a private investigator, and all of a sudden they're experts in this and they're experts in that. Yeah, it seems to happen every time there's something horrible that happens in the world. It's true. And they want to get involved.
3: Yeah. And ridiculous. It causes a lot of misinformation and... It causes a
5: lot of extra pain and harm, too.
3: That, too. Yeah, no, it's true. And it's a lot of work to fact-check and start figuring out what's actually true and not true. So there you go. Yeah.
5: It's a lot e- of work. Exactly. Now, the reason why this podcast has been delayed is essentially, you know, there's, uh, there had for a little while been a media blackout. Uh, and the press conferences that are held are have been heavily restricted to media. Um the, at the beginning, they're only allowing one question per media outlet, okay? And also, if you were watching at the beginning of the press conferences with the governor in, uh, of Hawaii and the mayor of Maui, along with uh, the rest of the government and state uh, personnel, when they were being asked hard questions, you know, it, it seems like everybody was on the defensive, and honestly, you know, I wonder if they were trying to be highly cautious of what they were saying, because mm. maybe it would be used against them in the future for lawsuits
3: i mean it makes sense i would be nervous
5: (laughs) you know what i mean so i mean i think they know how much of a complete disaster you know this emergency preparedness was you know and we're going to get into that
3: so just before we continue yeah i have a question for you already do you think if this exact scenario happens somewhere on the mainland where it's super dry i don't know vegas or somewhere yeah, like that. Yeah. Like, do you think it would have been a better response, honestly? Or I mean, I don't think. I mean, obviously, we're going to get into all the yeah, stuff that was yeah. done wrong, could have been done better. But I just wonder, in an emergency disaster like this, if yeah. it really would have been a better response anywhere else or not.
5: See, when, when when I answer anybody answers questions like that, people start. I don't know. There's something in the back of their brains that go, "That's a political statement." these are not i, I think we're going to do our best not to have political statements today and i think honestly i think whether now hawaii to me and we're going to go into it i feel more of all the 50 states is more like a third world country here so there's plenty of problems behind that and there's well, plenty of reasons why the a state of, acted the way it did
3: yeah in a lot of ways it is closer to a yeah. third world country. I mean yeah. that's I don't think people can really argue that. I
5: think on the mainland they would have been prepared or done things a little differently and not so messed up here because also you're in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. so you're technically well you are part of the united states but everyone has to come from the mainland to come here and things are going to be effed up for a few days it's which happened exactly here for like three or four days it was so messed up here
3: there's a very delayed response because people have to get here and that's probably one of the biggest issues but that's not anybody's fault that's just our location
5: and you know what That is a conspiracy theory now. There's there's no conspiracy behind that. That's (laughs) the facts. Yeah. So that's what happened. Okay, the other reason um, is because of the complete and utter nonsense of conspiracy theories as to how or why the Maui fires happened in the first place, and we needed to make sure we could debunk all those before we we actually started this podcast because we want to go into this podcast fully informed.
3: All right, give us a couple of the conspiracy theories.
5: The theories from laser beams to building smart cities to getting rid of the local poor so the state can build mega mansions for the rich. It, 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 they've been exploded all over the internet. All And by the way, TikTok is the devil's work. So if you're on TikTok, you've got to really be careful of what you're looking at.
3: I don't do TikTok. I don't TikTok. do TikTok, <laughs> but obviously,
5: yeah, people send me TikTok, and I'm sitting yeah. here going... This is th- this video is horrible. This is for clicks. This is to make money, and all this other stuff. And they're just reporting the most silliest garbage. I don't want to get into it and I start to get upset.
3: Honestly, that is ninety percent of TikTok. It's all like lies, and it's I don't know. I don't know why people love it. I know people are obsessed with it, but it's yeah. just.
5: Ugh, it's. I it's, don't know. You know, I kind of stick to like. Closer grounded like to Facebook or, or to maybe a little bit on Instagram, but I don't go beyond that with Snapchat and all this other crap. But even all social media, you got to be careful on what you read and then what you post unless you investigate it fully. Because once you start sending out things you're not sure about, the other people send it and yeah. you've contributed to that.
3: It's true.
5: So we're not doing that today.
3: I <laughs> hope not. <laughs> no, no, no. That was definitely not our intention.
5: Yeah, so we just wanted to put all that out there as we get through uh, this difficult podcast. Um, we have done everything in our power to be as accurate as possible. Uh, we're going to state facts and not conspiracies. And if we don't know the answers, we're not going to say it.
3: I'm sure you're going to throw in a couple opinions here and there as well.
5: Well, I'm going to put in some theories and, 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 you know, on some issues. I don't even
3: and mean theories. I just mean How about conclusions? Opinions. Well,
5: yeah, well, I think theories, opinions, conclusions. okay well you, you're gonna probably do that too maybe
3: not and that's as okay much as you
1: Well
5: I, I'm kind of I think I'm gonna be a little reserved uh, just for respect. I okay. think I'm gonna be a little more reserved today. All right yeah yeah Now I was thinking we'd put some audio clips together for the podcast but we're not here to get people more bent up out of shape, more upset than they already are and you know honestly if you do look for them and people are not but if you look for them for every anger and frustrated video there's videos of love and kindness that have been given to maui and that has been spread around maui
3: the community has come together they've been so strong and i think it's always one of the silver linings when a disaster like this happens or a crisis of any sort to see that it's the one beautiful part of it all is how the community comes together
5: even the people who have come here from the mainland reporters that have sat down with Hawaiians, locals, Kanaka Maoles, all people from all over the world that live in Hawaii and have lived here for a while. Everyone is saying, I've, we've never seen people like this. People have never been to Hawaii and this yeah. is their first maybe time for a report. They, they, they're from the news and they come here for the first time in their lives and they're greeted with just aloha.
3: Absolutely. And yes. And, you know, I a couple of my colleagues and friends and I volunteered to go over to Maui to help out in the schools as mental health practitioners. Um, We never got the call yet. And at this point, I'm thinking we probably won't. We are still on the list. But regardless of that, we've been a part of, like we had to go through some trainings in case. And then we've been a part of these calls at noon, um, Mm -hmm. the days we're available. And it's just like a um, state, like a government call but it's mm-hmm. like um for mental health providers yeah. and so we've been able to keep up with like what's going on through everything um in terms of like the mental health that's being provided over there and you know it's really beautiful to hear what's happening over there i mean the community the way it's coming together and they're doing like these um cultural gatherings i mean just really beautiful stuff that's I mean,
5: there's boats coming from other islands, Molokai, Lanai, Oahu, and they're bringing over goods right up to the ocean into the beaches and getting it into the hands of the local people, you know, because there's been issues with FEMA well, and Red Cross and that, all that. Well,
3: that, might be a little bit of a well, conspiracy as you well. Know, well, it's <laughs> not conspiracy,
5: it's not conspiracy as in the reason why is the first three or four days, it was so messed up over there, that it was the Hawaiians that stood up and stood in take care of the situation no, as soon as and possible.
3: I, I get it yeah but anyway I wasn't talking about that anyway I was just talking about like they're just coming together and doing these like cultural practices to like lift their spirits yeah. together yeah. and I think it's really beautiful to see you know everything that they've been doing well the
5: local people take care of the local people they
3: do and it's really it's amazing <laughs> it's a beautiful thing yeah,
5: yeah. Okay, so this is where we stand uh, as of today. We have 2,200 structures destroyed. 80% 80 of those structures are local homes. The rest are small businesses. 92% of Lahaina has been covered and checked with cadaver dogs. 115 bodies found so far. 49 of those bodies have been identified. Of all those identified, 48 are Lahaina residents and one was a visitor from California.
3: So, I'm just going to jump in really quickly. That number actually differs slightly depending on the source. I saw Mm -hmm. today 45, not 48, but I think it just depends where you're getting it from.
5: Okay, hopefully we're close. Yeah. Because it's changing every day, you're right. But this is as of today, this moment? Yeah. Okay. Only 104 DNA samples have been collected for identification. Now, before we went on the air today... Yesterday, we still had 1,050 people missing, but we just watched the Maui County press conference with the FBI, and they're now saying it's down to 400 people are missing. And they can't tell us how many of those 400 are children. They don't know. Uh, I don't know how that 600, 700 went down so quickly, but uh, we don't have all the details on that right now, but it, it went drastically down.
3: Can we talk about that statistic about the kids, or you don't want to?
5: Yeah, we can talk about I'll why just mention, that. May, I I'll don't just know wh- the what is it. Okay. So
3: it was Star Advertiser news yesterday. They published that 2025 Lahaina students are not enrolled in school currently. Now they're not saying they're all missing or right. deceased or anything. They're just saying they're not enrolled. And I guess the parents
5: may just might not be letting, may not want them in school right now. Or maybe or
3: they moved to the mainland, or they maybe could've. they're going to private. school school like we don't know the we don't reason, know. but we just know that's a very significant number and it's a little it's concerning you know
5: well it is concerning that the, the children are not enrolling to continue their education because it suffered so much during covid so that's a continued issue that will keep everybody checked on yeah we just don't have the full answer right, on that
3: right we don't know
5: yeah and we don't know how many of the 400 uh that remain missing or are possibly gone are children but that number will probably come out over the next couple of weeks
3: and in one of the press conferences uh, who was it i forget yeah. if it was the governor or mayor one of them said that you know people shouldn't be surprised if it is a high number of children they mm. just don't have a number
5: yeah uh yeah i mean i i don't they don't want to say there's 200 children dead i know out of the 400 <laughs> even if there was no they uh, you don't want to hear one child's dead
3: of course not
5: Now, my question to the state is, why doesn't the state pull out the census reports, right, and address in the addresses and just find out how many are actually missing? I don't know. I mean, I assume they've done this.
3: I would assume.
5: Okay, so many of us would also like the answer, as you said, about the school system thing, right? So did some schools went back to school and some schools did not. Okay, what was no, going on?
3: That's not true. So okay, I'm
5: hearing I'm hearing so many damn <laughs> things. I mean, I'm going to start saying the f word. So
3: the first, I can help because I work in the schools. The first day of school for students was August seventh. The wildfire was August eighth. Right. So they were back in school.
5: Everybody, every school. Do we even know Some that?
3: Some schools could be slightly different. Like my right. elementary <laughs> school here on Oahu started August ninth. That was their choice, but that is not the norm. Like. I think the first official day of school for almost everybody was August 7th.
5: Okay, well, if that is true, then children were brought home early because of the fires to the homes where the parents were not at.
3: Not because of the fires. What I heard was one school, it was was Lahaina Luna High School, and they lost power due to the strong winds from Hurricane Dora. That's what I heard. Now I can confirm that. Okay, so they will let home
5: that. early because of that. Yeah. And I assume some will let go also because of fires. There's probably a million reasons why the kids were sent home and maybe even if they weren't sent home early, they were still home before the parents were home. Because I mean, they were working. So children were home alone. We just found a child holding the damn dog. I know. Okay, he's dead. I'm sure. He was 17.
3: I know, and I'm sure that was the case that there were kids home alone because, you know, parents here struggle financially. They have to
5: have three jobs.
3: Yeah, so there's no babysitters or nannies or au pairs.
5: I'm raising my voice. I'm starting to get angry. I know, I know. It's starting already. We've just begun. (sighs) I'm just starting to get pissed. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, so we, j- we just don't know how many children were left alone in their homes that day. And that may be, we don't know how many of the 400 that are supposedly 400 left, our children left, that have been dropped off from school that day. We don't know what the hell's going on. We're going to find out for you guys, but we don't have the information.
3: It's really hard to find oh, those I'm answers. I'm sweating
5: and I'm getting upset.
3: Let's continue.
5: Okay. uh, Before we get into what happened to Maui and the historic town of Lahaina on August 8th, we do want to go through the history and discuss our personal experience of being on Maui because we have been on Maui. I've been in Lahaina a lot of times. And we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that because this podcast is just going to go on forever because we have (laughs) so much to discuss. But I thought it's highly important not to forget the major history of Lahaina Town, the historical Lahaina Town, you know, yeah. built in 1802, and all the history that came through there into to the point of where it became Lahaina today. So, I'm getting frustrated, I'm, I'm sweating, it's like leaking off me, and um, I'm going to let Amanda do the history, or as much as you can, and then I'll take over if you need me to. And then once we get through all the history of Lahaina, and we all want to remember the history, and hopefully when they rebuild it, they rebuild it in some form back to the historic way it was. I don't know what's going to happen. I we know. can talk about that later, too.
3: That's a fear of a lot of people.
5: Yeah. And then in the second half, we're going to discuss timelines, by moment by moment, what happened that day, all the questions that all the patrons have and um, listeners have, and hopefully we get through this without a bunch of F-bombs. <laughs> I'm serious. No, this is a really hard. This podcast This is a hard podcast. Yeah. I mean, well, I think we're handling it pretty good right now, but I'm—I mean—I'm I'm just really I upset. i i I'm, i feel like something's dead. Yeah, me.
3: no, it's true. And I feel like every week I've gotten a little better at being able to talk about it. <laughs> but I mean, when it first happened, it was—I couldn't—I couldn't. I just felt like somebody gutted me.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, are we ready to do this?
3: Let's do it.
5: Okay, go for it.
3: Lahaina, located on the Valley Isle of Maui in Hawaii, is a place where history breathes through every brick, cobblestone, and swaying palm tree. This charming town was more than just a picturesque tourist destination, but also a home for many of the local residents and native Hawaiians. Also, I just want to add in there, its um, there's a very high Filipino population living in Lahaina. I mean, very high, like one of the highest areas. Yeah, yeah. So that should be in, in here too.
5: I mean, something that we talk about sometimes about the Filipino community, but they're very large with in, you know around through the entire Hawaiian Islands.
3: But especially Lahaina and Maui.
5: Yes. Yeah. But if it wasn't Hawaiians here, <laughs> this would be the <laughs> Filipino Islands. <laughs> no, I just,
3: I think they deserve a mention. Because, Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. It's a living testament to the cultural, economic, and social evolution of Hawaii. From its ancient Hawaiian roots, to its bustling whaling days, to its transformation into a modern tourist hub, Lahaina's history was a captivating journey that had spanned centuries. Mm -hmm. Long before Lahaina became a bustling town, it was known as Lele, a place where Hawaiian culture thrived amidst the natural beauty of the island. The name Lele translates to a relentless sun, referencing the area's warm and dry climate. Lahaina's location along the coast made it an important fishing village, providing sustenance for the local population. Lahaina's proximity to the ocean and its fertile surroundings, at one point in time, made it an attractive location for Hawaiian royalty. Ancient archaeological sites suggest that Lele was home to heiau or temples, tarot fields, and royal residences. The presence of these structures reflects the cultural significance of the area and its association with Hawaiian traditions and spirituality, and the abundance of food and natural resources. Throughout Hawaii's history, Lahaina was a favored destination for Hawaiian monarchs. King Kamehameha I visited Lahaina in the late 18th century, showcasing the town's importance as a place of royal significance starting in 1802. The presence of royalty enhanced Lahaina's prestige and contributed to its cultural richness. Lahaina's status as a historic town is also tied to its role as the capital of the Hawaiian kingdom during the early 19th century. Mm. King Kamehameha II moved the capital from the island of Oahu to Lahaina from 1820 to 1845. The king's decision to establish Lahaina as a capital was influenced by its natural harbor and strategic location, allowing for better governance and communication with foreign ships. During its time as a capital, Lahaina became an important center of education and cultural exchange. Lahaina Luna School, founded in 1831, stood as a testament to this era. It was Hawaii's first public school, offering education to Hawaiian youths and missionary children. The school played a significant role in shaping the intellectual and cultural landscape of the Hawaiian kingdom. The 19th century marked a transformative period in Lahaina's history with the rise of the whaling industry. The
5: Boston Wheelers. <laughs> it's true. It is true. I know.
3: The town's natural harbor and strategic location made it an ideal port for American and European whaling ships. Lahaina's front street bustled with sailors, traders, merchants, and its economy thrived on the whale oil trade. Whaling ships brought both economic prosperity and cultural diversity to the town. The whaling era brought unprecedented economic prosperity to Lahaina. The town's front street transformed into a vibrant hub of commerce, bustling with sailors, traders, and merchants from around the world. This cosmopolitan atmosphere enriched the town's cultural fabric, fostering interactions and exchanges between people of diverse backgrounds. Whaling ships brought not only economic opportunities, but also a demand for skilled craftsmen. Shipwrights, blacksmiths, and coopers were essential in maintaining and repairing the ships. Additionally, the extraction of whale oil from blubber was a crucial industry. The processing of whale oil for lighting and lubrication was a labor intensive process that contributed to Lahaina's maritime economy. The architecture of Lahaina was also influenced by the whaling era. The town's historic buildings, some of which stood only weeks ago, reflected the architectural styles of the time. These structures served as warehouses, storehouses, and accommodations for sailors and traders, creating a unique blend of functional design and maritime aesthetics. Lahaina's status as a bustling port facilitated cultural exchanges between local Hawaiians and foreign visitors. The town became a melting pot of languages, traditions, and influences. This interaction left a lasting impact on Lahaina's culture and can still be seen in its diverse community today. By the mid-19th century, the whaling era began to wane changes in technology and the depletion of whale populations led to the decline of the industry. As the whaling industry shifted its focus to other regions, Lahaina's economy diversified, with sugar plantations gradually becoming a dominant force. While the whaling era ended, its legacy was still preserved in Lahaina's cultural fabric. The Lahaina town's maritime heritage was celebrated through museums, historical sites, and events that paid homage to this pivotal period. The Lahaina Whaling Museum offered insights into the town's maritime past and the industry's impact on Lahaina.
5: I don't know if, I don't think any of that stuff exists anymore. I think it's literally all gone. I, I think the Whaling Museum and all the artifacts from from you know that time we've lost it
3: there was a random rogue house that was still standing do you see that there is
5: there is that one house and that is a historic house and we did not put it in this podcast right um we could always do a podcast just on that house that survived
3: it's crazy there's a lot of
5: history behind it
3: and also the reasoning that it survived
5: Yes, yeah. and also there was a church that survived as well. So maybe we'll do a future podcast on Maui and cover up the rest of what we don't do today and cover the house in the church that was say that mysteriously made it through this.
3: The, so interestingly also the King Kamehameha school survived by its the structural damage is too much it's too so much. It, they can't salvage it. Oh, that's yeah. so sad. All okay. right, let's continue. All right. As the whaling industry waned, the sugarcane industry gained prominence in Hawaii. The fertile lands and favorable climate of Lahaina's surrounding areas made it suitable for cultivating sugarcane. Plantation owners recognized the economic potential of sugarcane, leading to the establishment of sugar plantations that would shape Lahaina's economy for decades to come. The Pioneer Mill Company, established in 1860, played a central role in Lahaina's sugarcane industry. Located just outside Lahaina, the mill became a cornerstone of the local economy, drawing labor from various immigrant communities, including China, Japan, and the Philippines. But at what cost, as a diversion of natural mountain waters and wells to the plantation created drought (laughs) conditions for those downwind and the surrounding town of Lahaina?
5: We're going to get into that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
3: The influx of immigrant laborers is what brought cultural diversity to the town. The sugar plantations brought groups of people to Lahaina, each contributing to the town's cultural tapestry. Immigrants brought their languages, traditions, and customs, creating a multicultural community. The influence of these immigrant groups can still be seen in Lahaina's cultural landscape and the blending of various culinary and artistic traditions. The sugarcane industry reshaped Lahaina's economic landscape, but at what cost as we look back? Plantation operations required heavy infrastructure, such as railroads, water diversion for irrigation systems, and processing facilities. Mm. These developments not only supported the sugarcane industry, but also contributed to the town's overall growth and modernization. While sugarcane brought economic growth, it also came with challenges. There had been labor disputes, environmental impacts, lack of natural water, and changes in the global sugar market posed difficulties for Lahaina sugar industry. Over time, these challenges contributed to the decline of sugarcane production in Lahaina and throughout the Hawaiian Islands. Although the sugarcane era eventually faded, its legacy was solidified in Lahaina's history and culture. The town's architectural remnants, historical sites, and cultural influences paid homage to this fiv- pivotal economic period in Hawaii's history. Lahaina's transformation from a whaling port to a hub of sugarcane production was testament to its adaptability and resilience.
5: Yeah, and we're going to talk about later on how, because from those early 1800s in the production of sugarcane, how that influenced what happened today Mm -hmm. with all the water divert natural water diversion from lahaina into other areas (coughs) just remember that because people many people are asking questions how did this happen why did this happen i'm sorry but this has been happening slowly and uh, since then since the 1800s it's gotten a lot
3: worse <laughs>
5: it's gotten a lot worse with water diversion because there's other things that water are being diverted to now so and we'll get into that later
3: we actually talked about that in the last podcast which was a patron only one so yeah. not everybody probably heard it but yeah mm-hmm. we'll go over that again later we'll go
5: over that okay how you doing there all right,. Are we All getting right. There? Yeah, we we'll get in there.
3: <laughs> the transition of historic Lahaina town on Maui into a tourist destination marked a significant evolution in its history, transforming the town from its earlier roles as a whaling port and sugarcane hub into a place renowned for its cultural charm, natural beauty and vibrant tourism industry. As the sugarcane industry faced challenges and decline, Lahaina needed to explore new avenues for economic growth. The town's historical significance, combined with its stunning oceanfront location, made it an attractive destination for travelers seeking an authentic Hawaiian experience. Recognizing the value of its historical and cultural assets, Lahaina embarked on efforts to preserve its unique character. Historic buildings, landmarks, and sites were maintained to provide visitors with a glimpse into the 220-year-old past. Lahaina's artistic and cultural heritage became integral to its appeal as a tourist destination. Art galleries, craft shops, and cultural centers began to flourish, showcasing the talent of local artisans and providing visitors with opportunities to engage with authentic Hawaiian art and craft. The transition to a tourist destination prompted revitalization efforts in Lahaina. Streets were enhanced and public spaces were beautified to create a welcoming environment for visitors. The town's infrastructure was improved to accommodate the needs of tourists, including accommodations, restaurants, and entertainment options. Front Street, with its historic architecture and oceanfront location, became the epicenter of Lahaina's tourism industry. Lined with shops, galleries, restaurants, and boutiques, Front Street's vibrant atmosphere captivated visitors and provided a hub for experiencing Lahaina's cultural offerings. Lahaina's transition to a tourist destination was complemented by the introduction of cultural events and festivals. These celebrations highlighted Hawaiian traditions, music, dance, and cuisine, allowing visitors to immerse themselves into the local culture. Lahaina's location on Maui's western coast positioned it as a prime spot for whale watching. The annual migration of humpback whales drew visitors from around the world fostering the growth of ecotourism and highlighting the importance of preserving marine life. As tourism grew, Lahaina faced the challenge of balancing the needs of visitors with the preservation of its historical and natural assets. Sustainable tourism practices had begun to be implemented after COVID to ensure that the town's charm and authenticity were preserved for future generations but, Unfortunately, the underlying infrastructure was not, like putting the electrical lines under the ground that surrounded the town. Lahaina stood for 220 years without such changes as a bustling and beloved tourist destination continued to blossom. Its historical sites, cultural attractions, beautiful beaches, and lively events drew visitors from around the world who seek both relaxation, history, and enrichment. The transition of historic Lahaina Town on Maui into a tourist destination was a carefully orchestrated evolution that honored the town's heritage while embracing its potential for growth. The town's ability to adapt, preserve its historical character, and create a thriving tourism industry showcased once again its resilience and enduring allure as a must-visit destination in Hawaii.
5: It's funny how you went from killing the whales (laughs) <laughs> to wheel watching, <laughs> right? For ecotourism, <laughs> it's amazing how actually Lahaina over the 200 years persevered. It's true and changed with the times.
3: So many times, and it that's changed.
5: exactly what's going to have to happen again. It really—it's is. just amazing how w- the tourism may come back to it, but they're going. T- I, I would like to see them create more of a cultural Kanaka Maoli Hawaiian area.
3: I hope they do. And I mean, it's just going to be educate. different. Yeah, cuz it's going to be different this time because the the history is gone.
5: Exactly. The history is gone. It's not I don't I'd like to see them rebuild it as close as they can to the way it was. But it's not going to be the old building. Right. It's it's not going to have that the museums, it's not going to have all those most of the historical homes anymore. So it may have that charm, but I really do believe they should bring in the Hawaiian culture. And have areas where visitors can shop, go to art galleries, but also get educated.
3: I hope so. And
5: that's the change we need to see as Lahaina has changed.
3: It's sad. Many
5: times over 200 years. Yeah,
3: and it's adopted. Absolutely. And that's amazing. It's just sad that the museum artifacts are gone you know like the history is gone. yes it is okay lahaina had always celebrated its history and cultural heritage through various events such as the annual lahaina plantation days festival and the lahaina banyan tree lighting ceremony the banyan tree itself planted in 1873 is and still remains today among the fire's carnage of a symbol of lahaina's enduring spirit and vitality Lahaina Town stood for over 220 years and was the greatest historic town that existed across the Hawaiian island chain until its demise on August 8, 2023. How Hawaii rebuilds this historic town should be left solely in the hands of its local residents and native Hawaiian people and no one else. Not outsiders, not transplants, and not Hawaii's government, but the local community of Lahaina.
5: So we are hopeful that Lahaina stays in Lahaina hands. Is that going to happen? Only time will tell. We just don't know. We hope it does. Yeah. We don't know.
3: I mean, we're hearing promises that, w- that it will, so let's won't see. won't be the first
5: time the Hawaiians have been lied to.
3: Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> right? I don't
5: know. All right. So being or visiting Maui now, you visited Maui several times, and you know, you didn't actually spend much time in Lahaina. You went to the old Lahaina Luau. Mm-hmm. That's gone. Yeah. So that is the most historic luau and the hawaiian islands the most traditional and that's sad and they have a big thing on the front of their website too so hopefully that will come back one day it's just not now um so your overall feeling on maui did you enjoy maui do you love maui the people of maui
3: i do i love maui i know it's not your favorite island but i really loved it i actually considered moving to maui before oahu
5: all right. What about Kauai? <laughs> you want to move there too? You want to move all to all islands, right?
3: <laughs> no. Initially, I wanted to move to Maui. Yeah. I think after that trip, I wanted to go to Kauai, but I couldn't work on Kauai, so right, right. I ended up on Oahu.
5: I mean, I've had many experiences over on Maui, maybe like four or five, and I spent a huge amount of time in Lahaina. It's like a very, very large version of Hawaii you know haleiwa on the north shore of oahu it's it's huge i mean
3: well, except everything's like together all the houses and businesses and stores are all like together they're not separated like it's like an
5: it's like an old western i can't explain it to you. it's it's like like it's like an old i don't know like an old western town to me that you would find on the mainland somewhere in a way
3: to me it's it doesn't resemble haleiwa i guess
5: well i mean Eva has actually been rebuilt in some areas and has changed over time a lot of the buildings were a lot closer together in the old days before they redid Eva before mm. you came but since the 70s it has definitely changed the buildings were closer it's funny because the the way la, the way Eva is now is more likely that it wouldn't burn down the same way heiner would because right. of that exact reason agreed but it was still historical that you could literally go into business, come out, and you enter the next business. Or you are into the next restaurant, you into the next bar, or you into the next, you know, gal- art gallery. You know, it was just like one after another after another. And then, you know, somebody's home, and then somebody's house, and then this and that. And yeah. it was just, I, I actually, you know, yes, going up to Haleiaka, yes, the road to Hana. But I loved Lahaina Town. I just loved how it was such a community. It I was such a community.
3: I love that. there was always huge crowds around the Banyan tree, too. I think that was really cool.
5: I mean, what other town has that like at the real honest center of it? like yeah. that was the lifeblood of the whole town where that was, and that was you had the town and then you had the you know the banyan tree and in front of that was the the harbor
1: mm-hmm. and
5: the boats yeah, and all that beautiful. and it was just like it was you go in there and you do you step back in time hundreds of years and you can't get that back now
3: yeah you know it's mm-hmm. not
5: coming back and it's 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 really sad it's heartbreaking it's very heartbreaking and before we get to the heartbreak we're gonna take a break okay <laughs> and it is my island maui which is third row delight <laughs> let's go to the mid-break song and then uh we'll be back to talk about all the things that have happened up till today all right, all right. We are back, and we're going to get right into it to August 8th, 2023 Fires. this
3: is going to be a timeline?
5: Yeah, we're going to be doing a timeline on exactly what happens. You guys have a moment by moment so you understand, because I don't think this has really been done, and I had to go look at a lot of resources for this information.
3: Let's hear it.
5: All right, let's break it down. August 7th, outside Lahaina, 1047 p.m., From the winds, a tree falls down on the power lines, igniting a fire. Sensors in the area show large drop in voltage and electricity to prove it was a power line that went down outside Lahaina and started the fire in that particular area. We've now jumped to August 8th, outside Lahaina at 6.37 a.m. Man records trying to put out fires caused by more down power lines. August 8th, outside Lahaina. Now it's only 6:54 a.m. Just a few minutes later, house video shows family attempting to put out wood fire from the fire the night before that started at 10:47 p.m. from down power lines. August 8th, outside Lahaina. Now it's 9 a.m. Fire department declares fire on the outskirts of Lahaina, but it's under control now. This was the fire that they said they put out around Lahaina. So
3: they actually it was now under control. Actually, I did read that it was put out. It's just the wind wind sparked it again. Yeah, the wind sparked it again. So it was out, and then it came back.
5: Yeah, because they had to go to uh, I think it was was Kula or whatever, and some other places where fires were going on. So they diverted everything to there, thinking that the fire outside Lahaina was out. Right. Wow, that's scary. August eighth, outside Lahaina. 11 a.m. Fire Department now declares fire on the outskirts of Lahaina no longer under control as the high winds of 60 to 80 miles per hour caused a flare-up in several locations. This was the time for the emergency sirens to go off. They never had been activated. The head of Hawaii's Emergency Management Agency, Herman Ndaya, Never activated them. In fact, he and many leaders of the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency were at a FEMA conference on Oahu August 7th and 8th during the fires. And head of Hawaii's Emergency Management Agency, Herman Adaya, didn't return to Maui until the 9th of August, a day after the devastating fires on Maui. It took a week later for him to show his face... At a press conference where he said he had no regrets that he didn't activate the sirens. The day after that, he handed in his resignation.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Well,
5: he's probably not living in Hawaii.
3: People were (laughs) extremely (laughs) upset with his response saying he had no regrets. I think that was definitely his downfall.
5: Well, this was his discussion, okay, with... um, His tsunami excuse. Did you hear this one?
3: I watched the whole press conference, yeah.
5: Well, he must think the people are idiots, right? I mean, we sit in the middle of the Pacific. Tsunamis take anywhere from nine hours to a day to reach us from any place around the world. If the sirens went off, there is no way the public would think it was a tsunami. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. You know, considering there had already been fires going, the alarms would have alerted everyone to the fire uh, that it was much more serious and to evacuate immediately. So, yeah,
3: he, yeah, he thought that if he sounded the alarms, everybody was going to really? run Malka up really? toward the fire. And that's just, <laughs> I know, it's crazy to me. I don't. I
5: think that's what got. I think that's why he resigned, because he how stupid that sounds
3: well both of those comments but just saying he had no regrets like all of these people died because they probably didn't realize and regardless of what you think you should have regrets right i don't know
5: the sirens okay were used when the ballistic missile was launched from north korea supposedly right when hawaii news now requested to know Who was in charge of the emergency agency when so many leaders had been on Oahu during the fires? The agency did not respond and still to this day has not responded. Today, they just put someone new in charge.
3: Today. I saw that.
5: Okay, but they didn't give any answer to who was on Maui for the emergency sector of the agency. Everybody was on Oahu. Yeah.
3: They should have. Whoa. They How did that happen? They should have left somebody in charge. If you're leaving the island, right? That's what a lot of people have been saying. There's been in charge. It takes Maui. It
5: takes 22 minutes to fly from Oahu to Maui. 22 minutes. The five or six major people that was supposed to be on Maui that day were in Oahu with the FEMA conference, and now one of them flew 22 minutes to get back to Maui.
3: Or just have somebody else in charge while you're away.
5: I don't know, man. I'm just blown away by that yeah. and he took the fall for probably a lot of people that should have taken the fall
3: well that's
1: true yeah you know yeah
5: august 8th outside lahaina three fifty-two p.m fires begin to surround lahaina town as firefighters had been overwhelmed from all directions at this point many fires were active around the island there had been raging fires in west upcountry maui and olinda and kula while fires raged in Lahaina and Kihei, it was impossible for the size of the Maui Fire Department to take on all those fires at once. Paniolos from Haleakala Ranch and outrigger canoe groups of 40 to 50 individuals helped the Fire Department to fight back the fires in Upcountry and o, uh, Linda and Kula. Without these brave Hawaiian citizens risking their lives to make firebreak lines with bulldozers and water lines, these fires in Upcountry would have been far worse, destroying far more land and property than the 19 homes lost. So this could have been a whole nother little version of Lahaina up here if the Paniolos didn't come out in the canoe uh, groups. It's true. Shocking. The, uh, these guys just risk their risked their lives. This is not what they do. Yeah. Amazing. It Amazing. is. Amazing, and it it's is. just honestly, it's a story no one's talking about. Yeah, I, no, I, don't talking I, about this. I don't
3: think I heard that either. I did hear that a lot of people were. Um, Volunteering and putting out the fires, but I didn't know who they were. Crazy. Yeah.
5: August 8th, inside Lahaina, 4.46 p.m. now, the fires surrounding Lahaina finally reached the historic town. August 8th, inside Lahaina, 15 minutes later at 5 p.m., the fires reach Front Street. Within 15 minutes, it went from the back of Lahaina to the front of Lahaina. 15 minutes. It's crazy. You're talking about 60 miles an hour a minute. This fire was traveling.
3: It's insane. No
5: one could. Uh, no one could get away from that.
3: There's nothing you can do. I, I,
5: you can't. Bl- you can't blame the police, uh, the uh, fire department at all. There's no way they could do all this. They, it's not like they could call the next state over. It's not like they could bring in people from another state. Yeah. It's not like they could. They have what they have, and they did what they could.
3: Yeah.
5: Uh, so many firefighters lost their own homes. Yeah. I think it was 30 firefighters lost their homes.
3: And they continued to fight the fires. Continued. Yeah. They
5: didn't know what their families were doing. What was going on with their families? Crazy. Oh, boy. Yeah, so the fires reached Front Street in Lahaina Town as rows of cars along Front Street tried to exit the town, but had nowhere to leave, nowhere to go, and electrical lines were down. There's a, a way out of Lahaina and a way into Lahaina. And if you're trapped there, you're trapped. And if there's power lines down, you're even more screwed.
3: Oh, it's so heartbreaking to think about.
5: <laughs> I and, and, and then there's that thing that, you know, we don't know for sure, but... The police did not want people coming into lahaina because they knew it was on fire Mm -hmm. but people were trying to get out of lahaina we have to get more information if the roadblocks contributed to what happened as well we don't know yet we don't know
3: in one of the early on press conferences it was kind of addressed but they were talking about how they were like blocking um areas because of the downed power lines and they weren't letting people drive out that way because it was dangerous or something yeah but i don't know I well we
5: have some locals saying that they had to go around the blockade yeah and they had some they had their uh toyotas and jeeps and they I went off that. the road and
3: they're the ones they're saying we're the ones that survived. survived yeah but because they weren't w- stuck in that right so i don't really know what's true there or not true there we don't know that answer. Yeah.
5: We're still trying to get information on that. August 8th, inside Lahaina, it's now 5.30 p.m. Lahaina Town is engulfed in flames, smoke, and heat. People in Lahaina have nowhere to go. Those in their cars on Front Street hear tires popping and can barely touch their own car doors to get out. It's so hot. At this time, many decide to run for it, jumping into the ocean on Front Street. As they do, the Front Street pavement is so hot, many receive second and third degree burns on their feet. Probably wearing shoes of flip flops, I imagine. They're still getting burned.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I can't imagine. Yeah. So mean, melting. You,
5: <laughs> have you ever been close to lava? Have you been close to lava?
3: Mm, not
1: that close. Okay. Well, you've
5: been pretty close to a fire, like a fireplace or whatever. You know how hot yeah, yeah. it can get. Oh yeah. Lava. You know, it's you can only get too cl- so close, and then your skin just falls off your face. I mean, I cannot imagine. It, w- it was just like an instinct. Jump in the ocean. We have no other choice. Yeah. That's the end of it.
3: That's true. They. Probably didn't have another choice. No,
5: that, that's what that that's what their option was. Mm-hmm. August 8th, inside Lahaina. It's now 5.59 p.m. The hundreds who jumped into the ocean are either clinging for life on the rock wall or clinging to debris further out in the ocean. Many others have already drowned. Now, so. I don't know the full reports on how many bodies were found. And I don't want to get into it because that's not the stuff we want to do on this podcast. But something went on there. People drowned. I don't know how many bodies have been found since I then.
3: I also heard that, like, yes, people were drowning, but also they were dying from the smoke inhalation yes, while like they are in the water. Yeah, They were suffocating. And
5: the er- flames were so powerful from the winds that even the boats... On the docks were on fire because that's how far the flames were going with the wind. So if you were at the docks yeah. or you were right in the water there, you were getting the smoke and the flames.
3: Oh, the flames were. You had to go the, out. The flames were getting. Them, yeah, yeah. yeah. You,
5: you had to go further out them. to where you couldn't feel bottom, and that's probably why some of them ended up drowning because they they had to just unless if unless they had something to float on. <laughs>
3: well, nobody's gonna have time to find something I, I, to float I, I, on. Debris, so, debris, yeah. well debris. that's true. That's I don't true. know. Other
5: than that, I think some people were floating on debris.
3: So one of my colleagues who lives um, up country Maui, yeah. her husband is a fisherman in Lahaina, and he was asked to help out with the search and rescue. So he had a lot of insider information, and he was sending pictures and just like, just really hard to see stuff. But anyway, um, he said that the fire actually it was like, um, like a half circle horseshoe. That's why no. they had nowhere to go but the water. Because they couldn't go anywhere at no. that point. And the
5: horseshoe area was where the water was. That was yeah. the opened of the horseshoe. that's what,
3: Exactly. So they had to go in the water at that point. There was <sighs> nowhere else.
5: I, I can't imagine. 9 p.m. August 8th, inside Lahaina. Three hours later, all of Lahaina Town is on fire and burning to the ground. August 9th, inside Lahaina. 12 a.m. now. Eight captains and their civilian ships arrive in the Lahaina Lahaina Harbor to start rescuing those clinging to life off the coast of Front Street. Yeah we're now on August 9th. August 9th inside Lahaina. Time is unknown and we still don't have solid information on this. This is all we do know. The U.S. Coast Guard deployed several ships after the 5.45 p.m. emergency alert. When they heard many people had been jumping in the ocean off Lahaina, they saved 17 people from the waters and assisted 40 survivors and brought them to shore. The time of this event is still under question and disputed. At this time, as no times of the event has been made public, so, now this is confusing because at midnight August 9th, the captains are rescuing people, and if they got the if they got the emergency at 5:45. On the eighth, did they show? Did they show up six hours later? Yes. So why? If you,
3: if you watched any of the videos <sighs> that are the reels that survivors who were in the water posted, they said we were in the water for seven hours, eight hours, six oh, hours. Oh, that's yeah. no, that's, that's why so. Okay, were something's drowning. wrong. That's why people were drowning, and that's why people were dying of the smoke inhalation, um, because <sighs> it was so many hours before they got rescued.
5: Okay, so. I can understand if they were bringing a Coast Guard ship from Oahu. Okay, it takes hours, right? Yeah. But I swear, when I heard the interview with the Coast Guard, they deployed ships from a different Maui harbor. It would have only taken less. Uh, it would only taken an hour to get there. So that I'm very confused at this event. I don't know. I don't have the details. Right. I can't find the details. So that's why we don't have them, and and no one's answering us on this because. As far as I know, the word is, is when they had the interviews with the eight captains and the civilian um, boats, they didn't see Coast Guard. And that was at midnight.
3: So, yeah, and I mean... I'm going off of survivor accounts. Right, me too. But when you really think about that, they probably had no sense of time. They probably didn't have a watch on. Who knows for... Like, it could have felt like seven hours. Was it really? Maybe it was. I don't know. But how does anybody know? Nobody really...
5: I get all that.
3: Probably does know. But
5: Coast Guard knows. No, Coast Guard. Minute to minute what's going on. I think... They have everything written down.
3: Because... So what I've heard is because... There was no communications at that point in time. They didn't realize how serious it was until way later. No, maybe
5: not, but they got the call at 545. If they did deploy ships from Oahu and Maui, the Maui ship should have got there at 7 p.m. latest. I have no idea. (laughs) So what is going on? So we need more information. Does anybody know this information about the Coast Guard and what time they saved the first person out of the water? What is the time? That'll be very helpful, understanding a little bit more what exactly happened and how delayed this response was, even from Coast Guard. We don't know.
3: A lot of it just doesn't add up. I know.
5: No. Okay, last one. August 9th over Lahaina, 7.45 a.m. now on the 9th. The first clear sight of what is left of Lahaina is seen from a helicopter tour company filming the devastation. Lahaina is completely gone. Oh, my gosh. This is the next day. It's gone. All this happened within... I think, you know, if you look at the time frame, everything happened from pretty much 5 p.m. through the night. That's when everything hit Lahaina, on the 8th through the night of the 9th and the morning of the 9th. So things went fast and furious. And I think the people that enacted their rescue plans and everything at the time, the ones who were in the heat of it, did what they could, but I think it's all the government agencies. In the county of Maui and the state of Hawaii that had so many warnings about this for, s- for decades that if everything was in plan like it should have been, we probably would have had a different outcome. But we're going to get into that.
3: I mean... We're going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
5: The attorney in general has now opened an investigation into the state's response and has refused to say if it's a criminal investigation or an investigation of gross negligence. We still don't know. There's some, there's some major, major criminal, This some major, at least at a minimum, negligence here by a lot of people, and the Attorney General hasn't said. Now, I was worried that the Attorney General for Hawaii is going to do all this, but no. I think it's a woman. I haven't looked at the information, but I do believe it's a woman, and I think she's bringing a third party to do it. So Good. it's a party that that is not, not yeah. involved with political uh, parties. So they're doing it on their own, and I think that's the best idea to do. Yeah, let I'm them come not in, let them assess everything. If the state effed up, the state's going to F up. If they this, be- these people effed up, the electric company effed up, they effed up.
3: I'm not even going to give any opinions on this. No. I wanted to see what happens. I want to see what happens, yeah. too.
5: Yeah. Um, and then, from the look of emergency sirens, to the reason why Hawaiian Electric did not shut down the power to stop more fires, to the fire hydrants running out of water, as well as the emergency and delayed response by the state of Hawaii... To police possibly blocking exits out of La Hina Town, These are all serious issues that are going to be investigated by the Attorney General and the third party because we don't have a lot of answers to this, and we shouldn't be jumping to conclusions, and we shouldn't be coming with conspiracy theories. Let's let this thing Unfold. take its course <laughs> and see <laughs> what happens. Yeah, I agree. Now, I have issues with finding out that the electric grid was tied... Now, this may be a question that's already answered. I don't know. I think we're going to answer it later, too. I have an issue with finding out, which I did not know, that the electric grid was tied directly to the water pumps. No electricity, no water pumping through the hydrants.
3: So they couldn't shut the electricity off, which we'll talk about later, right? uh,
5: Yes, and that is a double whammy on the Hawaiian Electric Company. Their excuse is... We couldn't shut the electricity off because it was hooked to the water pumps. Why in God's name (sighs) was it hooked to the water pumps? It's like a double mistake you guys made. You couldn't do anything. Complete disaster. So it's with certainty, I mean, it's already coming out, considering the piling up of lawsuits against uh, the Hawaiian Electric Company. There's a good chance. Now, mind you, the Hawaiian Electric Company is the only electric company in Hawaii. If they collapse, if they file bankruptcy, we have no power grid That's anymore.
3: That's what I have been thinking <laughs> this whole time since the lawsuit off-grid, started. Off grid, baby. We're going off grid. No, seriously. <laughs> since this lawsuit started, I'm like, okay, but what's the backup plan? There
5: is no backup plan. I
3: know. I know. We, we,
5: we, we lose our electricity. That's what the backup plan is. I mean, so essentially what what I think is going to happen is you can't let them fail. So someone's probably going to come in and buy them out they're gonna oh, f- so they're probably but this is even worse news they're gonna file bankruptcy someone I'm gonna I, I have to swear almost I like I feel I have to swear once again the mainland giant companies are gonna come in oh, right? they're gonna buy out Hawaiian Electric and they're gonna take it over rebuild it and they're just gonna keep doing the same crap I hope that doesn't happen but there's no other way when we look at this Hawaiian Electric is going to collapse. If you work for Hawaiian Electric, if you have a four hundred one k or whatever this, if you have a retirement plan, no, my poor you, neighbor, you better figure some stuff out right now, my friends. You better oh, start figuring. No. I'm sorry, I'm being serious. They Oh, no, be-
3: I know, my neighbor.
5: <sighs> Everybody in Hawaiian Electric better start figuring things out right now. They better start thinking things out because I don't think it's going to exist anymore. And I don't know what happens to people's pensions when a company files bankruptcy. A, a lot of people are being hurt. A lot of people are going to be hurt from this across the Hawaiian chain. It's just not Maui that's going to be harmed from this.
1: Yeah.
5: The biggest surprise is that Maui County just filed its own lawsuit against Hawaiian Electric alleging gross negligence that the utilities company caused the Lahaina wildfires and failed to take appropriate actions. What action could they take? They The mistakes were already made. Yeah. Well, I mean, what could they have done? If they shut down yeah. the electricity, then the, the water would have shut down. I mean... They had already made so many mistakes. Well, that's there's a thing. nothing you could do now. This, there's, there's nothing you could have done.
3: The mistakes shouldn't have been made. Is what yeah, probably but, what they're saying. But right? do you
5: understand? Maui County just filed a lawsuit. Do you know why they just filed? Because they're trying to cover their own ass. They are because they know there's nothing the electric company could do the M- maui county a long time ago should have forced them to disconnect the electric from the pumps and they should have forced them to put the lines under the ground a long time ago this is just as much hawaiian electrics fault as it is maui maui county maui county is going to be sued trust me on this
3: i don't doubt it i mean yes they're,
5: they're the next one that maui county And maybe up to the state itself is going to be sued. And then maybe all the islands will be looked at differently. And maybe we'll start getting all these. And by the way, that's the thing we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, The power lines are not underground. The the major excuse for why power lines don't go under the ground is because of how much it costs. And it is very expensive. But I'll tell you, this stuff wouldn't happen. And this is going to cost way more. Than putting those lines under the ground like they should have.
3: That's probably I mean, true, too. I they're
5: going to be, Hawaiian Electric, because they wanted to save money and do what they did. Their company is going to be destroyed. Well, hey.
3: What else you got?
5: I'd like to mention something many are not. And this is highly disturbing and will make us all very angry. On August 24th, 2018, this exact situation took place as hurricane lanes winds flamed the destruction in the 2018 fires which destroyed 21 properties on Maui as well. Up to that point it was the worst destructive fire in Hawaiian history. Since that time five years ago have passed. I mean five years have passed. No lessons have been learned and nothing was done by the state or county of Maui so, to change the outcome this time around.
3: So, Lane, that was about two months after I moved to Hawaii.
5: Right around, I think, was that right around time when the uh, volcanoes were going off on Big Island, too? Uh, I think the volcanoes were going off between 2016 and 2018, yeah, and the eruptions. Yeah, it was
3: maybe like the tail end of it. Yeah. Um, but anyway... I remember this really well, because I had just moved to Hawaii, and I was like, oh my God, this hurricane's coming. I don't believe it was a hurricane. I think it was downgraded to a tropical storm by the time it got to us, and it still caused all of that. Yeah, it still caused all of that devastation. It's the exact same
5: thing that happened with Dora. Dora was a tropical storm as well, and it also went below us. It was first, obviously, a hurricane, just like Lane was a hurricane at the beginning. But like you said, yeah, both tropical storms created this. Yeah. They went through this five years ago.
3: Imagine if it was a hurricane! God.
5: But they went through this five years no, ago. I remember. They did nothing. They changed nothing. Nothing.
3: I don't know what to say. <laughs>
5: I'm am t- saying the state of this, the county of Maui, the island of Maui, better lawyer up. Th- that's what I'm saying. They're gonna the state of Hawaii is gonna be in trouble too. It's it's just it's it's inevitable. This is what's gonna happen, and they're gonna have to learn the lessons the hard way. I don't know what's going to happen to Hawaii in general. I don't know what's going to happen to Maui in general.
1: Yeah,
5: It's painful. Another major issue I have is FEMA and the SBA are offering low-interest business loans to those who have lost their businesses. Let me repeat that. FEMA and SBA are offering low-interest business loans to those who have lost everything. It's unacceptable. When it's 100% the state's fault, 100% the electric company's fault... They have been negligent, criminally negligent. They are the ones that should be paying FEMA and SBA for these loans to these businesses. The businesses should be paying nothing. These should be grants to these businesses. It's, yeah. it's, it's embarrassing. No, no, it's disgraceful. They have nothing to do with what happened. And to imagine, oh, we got a low interest loan for you. You got to pay, you know, little interest on it. You shouldn't be paying nothing. You lost everything because of something that wasn't your fault. So whose fault it is, is the ones that should be paying for it, and they should be grants to all these businesses. Now, something we haven't talked about yet, before we get to the questions. If you think the homeowners insurance companies are not sitting back right now and looking at this and saying, we got to sue. Because why are we paying for these people's homes insurance and paying out these homes when it's not our fault and it's not the homeowner's fault, it's the state's fault. It's the electric company's fault. We're going to sue the electric company to get the money to pay for this house.
3: That makes sense too. Let's see what happens.
5: How long do you think that's going to be held up in the courts before these people get any money for their homes? I don't know. It may be years before they get any money. I because everybody is Because everybody's going to be suing each other, and everybody's going to be blaming each other. Honestly, I understand why the insurance companies will be going after all these other entities. They want people to pay up. They want the state to pay up for their mistakes. They want the electric company to pay up. You pay for this house. I am paying for the insurance in this house. It's not, it's not our fault. So there is a lot of problems that are going to be coming. A lot of problems. Let's get into these questions. Are we ready?
3: So these are questions from our patrons. Yes,
5: yes. Why did these fires take place on Maui? Well, the history of Lahaina is known for its taro fields, its hayows. Yes, it's sunny and it's dry from time to time. But they were getting a lot of water and you need a lot of water to have taro kalo fields. Right? So there was a time in the old days where there was plenty of water. Yeah. And the diversion of it was going to all the right places. Okay. Now the water diversion to sugarcane plantations the 1800s is what began the problem of diverting water from upcountry down into Lahaina. Okay, That was the 1800s that started to dry out the back of Lahaina and the Lahaina area and it started to cause problems with a lack of water for everything. Now we're going to go to the 1900s. Water is continually, up to this day, be diverted to what? The luxury resorts
3: golf courses
5: yep all the luxury golf courses and all the mega mansions and multi-million dollar homes so screw Lahaina screw the local people screw the little guy let's barely make an ends meet in the area and let's 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 send all the water to the areas that are paying all the taxes the high taxes yeah there's a def do you understand the problem huge there? problem this is a huge, huge problem. Let's give a little history of that huge problem. This all started back in the 1800s with the most powerful sugarcane baron families. In Hawaii, they are called the Big Five. The biggest, Alexander and Baldwin. They pretty much control the water supply on Maui as it is. I'm getting upset now. They're responsible for a large part of the blame to what happened on Maui. Then we have Castle and Cook. You ever hear of them? Real estate, real estate, Alexander Baldwin, real estate.
3: We've talked about that. Water in one control podcast, didn't
5: we? Yeah. The annexation.
3: Yes, that's it. Yes.
5: <laughs> <laughs> go back if you guys are patrons. Go back and listen to the annexation. This all make perfect sense. All right, then we have C Brewer and Co. American Factors, now known as Amfac. Theo H. Davies, and co. This is Hawaii's oligarchy, which was, at the time, led by the Attorney General of Hawaii, Edmund Persian Dole. Yes, Dole. These five families, along with the original Committee of Safety, totaling 13 families in all, helped overthrow the Hawaiian kingdom back in 1893, imprison the queen, and take over Hawaii in 1898. These entities, still to this day, are still controlling Hawaii, its land, its water supply, its people.
3: It's wild, isn't it? (sighs)
5: It's just... It's effing infuriating. Yeah. Imagine how the Hawaiians feel.
3: I can't.
5: The Hawaiian Electric Company didn't shut down power during the high winds and never put lines underground like they were supposed to do years ago. Which we already talked about. Which we discussed about. So we're just, those are the reasons why the the fires happened. Absolutely. Yeah. Did they use direct weapons on Maui? (laughs) This is a big conspiracy theory. Absolutely not. This is probably one of the most craziest and harmful conspiracy theories that that we've ever seen spreading on social media. Now that we've said that, let's discuss direct energy weapons, which exist. They are DEWs currently installed on several okay destroyers american destroyers it's called odin and is a part of a package of direct laser energy systems currently under development by lockheed martin as part of its high energy laser integrated optical dazzler and surveillance helios program now if you're obviously following up on military stuff the military is designing laser guns. Yes, they are. They're designing laser guns. And actually they do have some one of the most highest class destroyers there are right now. What does that mean? If a missile's coming in, if a plane's coming in, if a drone's coming in, the laser pops out of the uh, destroyer, it fires a, a high energy beam light at whatever's going to attack them, and it blows up instantly. Instantly. Like as oh soon as God. it It's not like a missile that launches across the sky to hit the other missile. The laser is instant. So does this stuff exist? Yes. Is the U.S. government going to launch it straight up from the sky, which they can't have the possibility to do, because there's no satellite with a laser on it, and just decide, oh, yeah, I think we're just going to hit Lahaina La for no... You know, just, just for the hell of it, we're going to blow up Lahaina. That's the stupidest crap I've ever heard in my life. You know, and, and it's a shame that people are, had been spreading that conspiracy theory around, and, and it's disgusting.
3: That's... Yeah, I don't even know where these come from. <laughs> I don't <laughs>
5: either. Is it true that Hawaii is trying to become the first state in the nation to run entirely on clean energy and build smart cities, towns, satellite cities. Yes, it is. This yeah. is no joke. No, it's true. Hawaii would love to be the first all-green, renewable city, but that has nothing, you know, but that's nothing new. It's not, it's, it's not something that we haven't heard of. If you've lived here long enough, it, this is something they've been wanting to do for a long time. It's not some conspiracy. They've been wanting to do this since 2008. They made a pledge and it was released under the Clean Energy Initiative, which aimed Hawaii to be 100% green and smart by 2045. It's there. We already knew this. It's not like they just thought about it last year and said, oh, hey, let's just become smart all of a sudden. You know, you don't need to burn a place down or or kill a thousand people and displace tens of thousands to go green or smart. That makes no sense. It just makes absolutely no sense. Now in some cases, people don't even understand what a satellite or smart city is, so let's discuss that. Okay. It's the conversion of a city or town to electric power, 100% green renewables, solar and wind, and some or most of those smart cities being controlled by artificial intelligence or AI. It's part of the future. This is yeah. a plan. I mean, it's, this isn't the only state that wanted to do that.
3: It's, always, it's been a goal for a long yeah, time. Yeah,
5: we've all known this. Now, they said there was a conference about this thing in Hawaii this year. Yes, there was. The Hawaii International Conference of System Sciences. Thousands of future ideas by researchers had been on display there. One of the ideas was smart cities on the islands. Considering Hawaii has been discussing these types of things over the last decade or more, and slowly moving in that direction anyway, this isn't out of the ordinary or strange to have speakers at these conferences talking about becoming a green city, or being a smart city, or a satellite city. This is not a conspiracy theory, it's reality. We're going green. Why are people twisting this crap? I don't... This upsets me too. Because when you mix in bullshit conspiracy theories... Okay, in with real conspiracies like aliens that we do think may exist, it kind of hurts the real conspiracies. You know what I mean? That are real. I'm and con- it's just dumb.
3: I guess I'm just confused about what the connection between smart cities and the I fire think, is.
5: Okay, so I think what th- the, the conspiracy theorist is saying is the only way they can turn it into a smart city is just to burn it down and stop. Oh, it.
3: Oh, I didn't get that. Okay. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's a little
5: How stupid is that? you you could turn lahaina into a smart city without burning it to the ground yeah it's just stupid can the state of hawaii decide what to do with lahaina town and not the people of lahaina what do you think did you know about this yes yeah no i I, yes
3: we'll see what happens
5: no the governor has the emergency disaster relief proclamation that has been declared can decide what to do with Lahaina and not the local people of Lahaina. Right. He does have the power to do that.
3: But he's saying that he wants to listen to the people of Lahaina and do what they want to do. So, yeah, I agree.
5: Let's see. We'll see. But it is true. Like, people were putting this out there as some yeah. conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. Yes, well, he does. It's a proclamation. He pe- can do what he wants if he wants to.
3: Yeah, people are afraid, Yeah, People are afraid. There's definitely a lack of trust, especially yeah. right now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And people are you surprised? Yeah, very anxious and afraid. So, I mean, yeah, you can't blame them. No. We can definitely hope that they come through and do listen to the people of Lahaina and do what they want. Yeah.
5: Now, the proclamation is in relation to community housing under the... Build Beyond Barriers Working Group, led by the lead housing officer. And it gives the right to suspend, suspend the current laws on rebuilding historic towns in Hawaii, like Lahaina, which means that the rules and laws in place on putting buildings in Lahaina don't need to pass the Historic Permit Code. This is Section 127A13.3, HRS, and the Historic Preservation Rule section chapter 6e hrs what that means now i don't think governor green would live too long if he broke what he promised but under this proclamation he could build high rises in lahaina because he doesn't hope not no he uh, but because of the historic preservation rule in these sections he they could they could sit in the office, they could all sit in a meeting room in Oahu in Honolulu and decide and never include the people of Lahaina.
3: And is he going to do that? What people no. are afraid of? They're afraid yes. of a new of Lahaina turning into a new Waikiki or something yes. like that and yeah, there's a lot of fear out there.
5: So I want we wanted to answer that question because we're trying to get through these questions that people are concerned about and the other ones are bull. They're conspiracy theories. Some people thought this was a conspiracy theory, but no, the, the governor, d- because he filed that proclamation, he can decide and others can decide in Honolulu what to do with Lahaina. We don't want to see that. He he has promised he's not going to do that. And what a lot of people don't know, and this is, this is, I'm not going conspiracy here, but this is very strange. It was signed in July. Yeah. I and it that. expires in September. Ugh i ain't joking does that isn't that weird
3: it is because the event
5: happened in august right before now can he extend it Uh, we don't know but it's good to september 15th because i looked up the dates i think it was signed like july 27th and it's good until september 15th so this event happened while this thing was active this proclamation he signed it ahead of time wouldn't he have just like signed it a couple of weeks ago
3: I don't know. I'm not going to
5: speculate. I'm not either, but we're just stating the facts. Why wasn't anyone alerted? You know, why weren't the residents alerted, right? Mm. Because all phones, cable, and internet communication had been down because of winds and fire. It was a massive communication failure, the likes that have never been seen before. As for police, some had gone in to alert residents and business owners, but others blocked roadways to ensure no one entered the fire zone. Unfortunately, this may have caused casualties in itself, as no one could leave Lahaina, and it's clear many tried, as rows of cars were just sitting in traffic when they were all burned. So, th- like before, we have to get to the bottom of this, but this is what happened. So, this is, they. some residents were alerted, and many were not, because everything failed. The phones, the cable, the internet, yeah. and the sirens did and not go no off. no
3: siren, so, yeah. That Can was you
5: imagine having no- nothing? No, that's what I... I You wouldn't know what the hell is going on.
3: I have no words. That is the one piece that I think upsets me more than anything. There
5: could have been a fire at the back of Lahaina, and you could be on Front Street fishing in the harbor, and you wouldn't even know what's going on yet. If the sirens went off, at least they would have got something.
3: They would have stopped fishing.
5: They would (laughs) have stopped fishing and looked around. Were the local people prepared for a disaster like this? Here in Hawaii, we have to prepare for every natural disaster possible, even blizzards in the higher elevation of Maui and Hawaii Island during winter months. We can tell everyone that the local population is always prepared for a natural disaster, and they know for the most part what to do, where to go. Unfortunately, I don't believe the state has ever been ready for an event like this, and I don't believe they ever figured out how to fully communicate on the ground. With the local community how to deal with something like this. The issue in Hawaii is the third world country road system set up on many of the islands. One way in, one way out. An electric grid that is third world country and falling apart. I mean, for God's sakes, half, these, half of the uh, electric poles are termite infested. I'm not surprised more didn't fall down.
3: It's true. That's I mean, really I dangerous, I yeah. I could go
5: on and on about this. Uh, really
3: quickly. Remember yeah. so the weekend after this first happened, we drove up to North Shore. Actually, we were driving home and there were like these power lines just dangling <laughs> above Jesus us on the road. Christ. Do you remember that?
5: Those are everything from electrical lines to cable lines. Those have not been fixed since Lane hit us.
3: It's just an since example l- yeah. of how complacent i guess so, the up- is yeah, yeah. Like we'll talk about complacency soon <laughs> nothing gets fixed no that right there is a disaster waiting absolutely. to happen absolutely so it's just an example there's
5: electrical lines and, and power lines and cable lines and phone lines that are so messed up around this island when you look up if you just looked up at the lines you would say you'd, you if you had to pick a country where you were living by just looking at the lines, you would definitely not think you're in the United States. (laughs) Absolutely not in the United States. God knows where you would be. I have no idea. But it's not in the United States. So it's a disaster. It really is. Um, It wasn't the people that hadn't been prepared. It was the state and the people's trust in the state that contributed to the disaster. We, the people of Hawaii, they do and they don't trust. But many trust and love and keep showing aloha. And I don't want to tell them not to do that anymore. But how long can you can keep trusting someone to protect you that doesn't protect you? Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I don't know.
5: You've got to protect yourself. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people are going to start doing after these fires have gone through Maui. People are just going to start taking more responsibility for their own lives and, and, and just say, the State's not there for me. Stay something know, there for me
3: a lot of people in Kapolei here on oahu were are starting to freak out because of how dry it is over there right now after the wildfires on maui and i yeah listen there's just a lot of anxiety the whole
5: west side if it was dry yeah do you what kind of response are they going to have for the west side
3: no
5: idea i don't want to know
3: it's every island the west side right yeah it's not just
5: i mean probably yeah you're yeah. probably totally right it's dry on uh, every west side why wasn't there any type of emergency plan for a fire? There was. There is. This was a complete and utter failure of an entire emergency system and the response to that emergency. That's that's all we can say about that. Of course there was a plan. There's always a plan for fires, tsunamis, uh, hurricanes. It's just complete failure.
3: Maybe. Of that plan. It would have been slightly different if the emergency personnel weren't all in Oahu. I don't know. Who knows?
5: That's also bringing up as a conspiracy theory. FEMA? They're all over there with FEMA. But what about FEMA? Uh, they're all at the conference with FEMA.
1: Oh. While the fire's oh happening. FEMA's geez. not even here
5: yet. FEMA's not even here yet, but they're at a conference with them.
1: No, See, that's I, coincidence. No, I get it. Yeah. It is
5: coincidence. It is coincidence. But I think people put coincidences into conspiracies, and they shouldn't do that. But isn't that interesting, though? It is it interesting. It is interesting, right? I
3: don't, yeah.
5: No, I don't believe it either, but it, it it's interesting. Why was the water shut off? The water was not shut off. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I don't know who came up with this question. The, I, don't know who, and I don't know where you heard that from, but the water was not shut off. The water system in Lahaina failed and collapsed. As the firefighters continued to use water and the fire hydrants, the water supply started to run dry, and it collapsed. Lahaina Town simply did not have an adequate water supply to deal with the once-in-a-lifetime perfect storm of fire and winds across the island. Lahaina already had a water problem. This just proves how bad it truly is. That's what happened.
3: It's really bad. That's
5: what happened. Why was there no land management? There is. The DLNR, the Department of Land and Natural Resources, manages the land for the state. As for the water supply, it's managed by the state under the Maui County Board of Water Supply and the Commission of Water Resource Management. There's management. There's management for all of these things. Then why did this happen? We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Then why did this happen? Well, the water's being diverted. Someone's getting money. More money and taxes go to the rich places.
3: It's all about tourism. Okay,
5: so (laughs) it's all about tourism. The Department of Land and Natural Resources, they know upcountry is dry. Why didn't they do a controlled burn? Get that out of there so it doesn't cause a fire in the future. There was burns upcountry... But the Lahaina Fire itself, we really do believe that's what it's coming out to be. Is multiple reasons. uh, We believe that the county of Maui is responsible, but the Hawaiian Electric Company is responsible for many reasons. You know, old lines.
3: The controlled burn is um, something one of our patrons wrote about on our Facebook group page. Did we cut that out? We should apologize to you if your question didn't yeah, make we the cut because this, we couldn't, did a lot, we man. couldn't include no, we them We couldn't all. include all of them, yeah. no.
5: no. Um, but we kind of just discussed that. They should have done a controlled burn. Yeah. And the Paniolos with their bulldozers opened an area of flat land where the, the fires couldn't cross. So that's what they were doing. Okay. So they were doing not a controlled burn, but just getting, getting um, soil up so there wasn't anything to burn. Yeah. So they were doing pretty much what I guess the DLNR could have done. So DLNR field... The Board of Water Supply failed. The Commission on Water Resources failed.
3: There's a lot of... failures everywhere. Yeah, a lot of failure.
5: Why did Governor Green say the state is looking to buy the property instead of keeping it in the owner's hands? This was an early comment he made on like day one or two. And I think he sat back and he's thought about it a little better. But um, this may be as to put the land in a trust to ensure land is not sold or stolen by those outside Lahaina, or by outside developers or real estate agents, do we personally trust this reason given by Governor Green? Probably not, but let's see.
3: So that this hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I'm not gonna say probably not. I, I'm gonna say I don't know. We um, don't know. I don't know, but I did watch that early press conference. Yeah. It was day one or two. I yeah. forget, and he did. I think he was thinking
5: off the cuff. Well, no, he I think didn't want. The, it was when yeah. those
3: leeches were coming and trying to yeah. buy the land yeah. Yeah. right after the fires. I mean, they were still happening, and that's when he started talking about this. So and you know, I honestly,
5: I put. I probably would have done the same thing. I don't want the land getting into uh, other people's hands. And I that's want. It, yeah,
3: it's exactly what he said. Yeah, and, and, so and I understand that. I, I kind of believe
5: that. I believe I, it too. Yeah, yeah, I believe it too. It's just that let's see, because I don't know if he's actually enacted it. But honestly, I don't know. And another thing is. What happens if you had a small business? I'm just saying. What happens if you had a small business, it was destroyed, your home burned down, someone approaches you and offers you a good amount for the land where your house was and maybe where your business was, obviously not as much as it's worth, but enough because you're saying to yourself, what is my outlook here? How long before I have my business and home back? Ten years? Mm -hmm. Five years? Maybe I should just sell and go to the mainland. Do you know what I mean, though?
3: I mean, that's I mean, what happened after you know what I mean? Katrina in New Orleans. Yeah. New Orleans. Like, how many people just left? Yeah.
5: So how can Governor Green, technically being part of the United States, do a moratorium when a local family or a family who has business and land there wants to sell it?
1: Yeah.
5: Uh, you can't really tell them not to. So there's going to be a little confusion with that. Because I, honestly, for me... It depa- okay, I can't say, honestly, because I, I wasn't born and raised in Lahaina. But any, and, you know, I've only been here for like half my life. But if I had my business and my home destroyed and I can get that money back and go to another island and start over right away, I may think of doing that instead of waiting 10 years, five to 10 years to rebuild on this island.
3: Everybody's different. Everybody's yeah. different.
5: But you hear what I'm saying? I do. So to do a moratorium, I don't know how that would work. With people who do decide they want to sell and not stay because like you were saying you know maybe some kids have already been sent to the mainland to go to school maybe this and that everybody has different things they want to do you know yeah
3: yeah I don't know and he also said he was looking into it he didn't right promise yes yes so So we don't know
5: is FEMA really confiscating supplies community members are bringing in to help okay hear me out yes They had been doing that in the first few days. Are they now? No. And Hawaiian community members are also finding ways by boat to bring in supplies to the community, and they're actually circumventing FEMA. FEMA brings a certain amount of stuff in. They need to keep. They're very anal about keeping track of everything they do, all the money they spend, all this other stuff. Uh, FEMA needs a lot more money now. They're asking for a bunch of more money, especially with after this disaster. They're going to need a lot more money from the federal government. But at the beginning they they FEMA didn't understand what was going on well what are these sup- well, the community I don't is know different if that's here. True, no, exactly. there was a bunch of supplies that were held back. We have so videos of it.
3: I don't know again, I don't know if that's what happened or didn't happen. I did see the videos. Yes, yeah. but there's also a whole website dispelling these rumors that you can look up and this one is a rumor included on there. Oh yeah. So if they said on the website that so something about allowing nonprofits to disperse the supplies, Yeah, or they're just kind of handing it over. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were confiscating it. According to them, they were just handing it over to somebody else to mm. disperse. Right. Um, and they did say, however, that they encourage cash donations instead because it's yeah. much easier to work with and much quicker. Maybe,
5: well, this was the question that, that the patron asked. Maybe not confiscate, maybe hold.
3: Yeah, okay, so that S- might be but true. This was the
5: question that, because FEMA didn't know where these supplies were coming in because... In the beginning, the first three to five days where FEMA was just getting there, They didn't. They didn't have control of the situation. Local communities, local people from Molokai, Lanai, were coming over on their boats and just bringing stuff to the shores to try to get it to people before FEMA got there. And
3: also planes. They're coming. Planes. Planes were bringing stuff in. So there were there was stuff coming from everywhere, and I think honestly, it was probably a lot of chaos. And it was chaos. It wasn't organized because it's a disaster. This is a chaos question. You can't organize a disaster. So who knows?
5: This is a chaos question. (laughs) (laughs) It was just chaos at the time. So FEMA didn't know what was going on. Probably the Red Cross didn't know what was going on. Food Bank didn't know what was going on. Probably no one knew what was going on. And they were just trying to... Hawaiian people are on shit. They're like, boom, they're on it. And they're going to bring stuff to the people.
3: Yeah, they're just going to do what they have to do. They
5: didn't want to hear what was going on. They didn't want to deal with any signing paperwork or doing any of this crap they are like right. this is Hawaii this is Hawaii I'm gonna bring it to my people that's the end of it
3: somebody needs medication somebody needs I'm gonna bring a medication yes. that's yeah
5: that's the way Hawaii is yeah and okay. I got it where are they going to house everyone who lost everything
3: wait so can I start with something before you say what you're gonna say yeah good in one of the very first press conferences like day one or two They said that they had already, at that point, they had already set aside 500 resort hotel rooms for the displaced residents and another 500 for emergency workers and volunteers. And those rooms would be available to them free of charge for eight months. So that's like part of it. And then the part you're going to say next is really amazing.
5: I heard that they've increased the time of eight months.
3: Good. I've heard
5: it's up to two years now.
3: That's good because this is, like I said, this is day one or two after it happened. This is good stuff. Yeah.
5: Yeah, this is good stuff, and this is even more better stuff. Yeah,
3: the next one that you're going to talk about is really awesome, yeah, and cause I heard this. because this is
5: more sustainable, and it yes. can last longer until permanent housing. So there are many amazing tiny home companies, nonprofits, and either other countries sending tiny homes to Maui. In fact, many fabricated tiny homes are being put up as we speak, which are 100% off-grid.
3: Love that. Love it.
5: The, the, um, the outpouring of love from around the world and the mainland, how much money... Has been going to Maui strong, and the foundation, uh, amazing. And we're going to talk about that before we end this uh, in a little bit. So much money has come into the Hawaiian people. I really do hope it's getting to them because they've been complaining about only getting $700. Where's wh- they need so some more money?
3: That's something else I needs money? to be addressed. I don't. I don't think that was in here the $700. But no every i guess everybody in lahaina was promised like what was it every family or every person i don't know seven hundred dollars every
5: every individual okay. affected was but that you know that's not so what's that going to get you what
3: they said i know and everybody's <clears throat> saying the same thing and yeah. i did as well but i looked into it a little more and they said no this is just for the immediate relief to get food and clothes and that's all the <laughs> 700s for they said they're once i don't know you, if 700 will cover that for food, some food and clothes <laughs> yeah <laughs> for I, family for like well,
5: if you have a family, well, uh, when you say individuals, they're going on probably. But parents.
3: Uh, but you're not listening yeah, it's yeah, for like a week or so, yeah. and then that gives them the week to fill out the application. And once they fill out the application, that's when they're going to get allotted their, like, a lot of the like the FEMA FEMA application. Yes, yeah, so and that's when they're supposed to get a lot of more significant.
5: You understand Hawaiian people and the people here have been lied to so many times by the government and other.
3: No, people. I get it. They're scared. They to don't want to sign FEMA so stuff. I saw that as well, and yeah. I read up on that as well, and um. I wish they would <laughs> because... <laughs> they can get a lot. That isn't... They can get a lot. But, and they that's are worried that,
5: but they're worried that they're signing their lives away to something like they're going to owe all this back. And right. Someone and has so to talk to them.
3: That website I was mentioning earlier...
5: They don't have the internet.
3: No, but what I'm saying, that website, it does dispel all of these rumors, and that is a rumor on there too, and it lists it it just explains it very explicitly, how FEMA cannot do that to them, so I get it they don't have the internet or whatever, yeah. but if once they're like put into a hotel room or wherever they are I hope that somebody does explain it to them because if I they hope. don't sign it so I, I mean, personally, I know people who have had experience with FEMA, you know, living in Pennsylvania. Florida? Well, no, living in Pennsylvania, we had Katrina. Hurricane Sandy that wiped out the Jersey Shore in uh, yeah, a lot of yeah. areas um, a few years before I came over to Hawaii, and one of my best friends, um, her dad's house was very affected in Tom's River at the shore, and he had to go through that, and yeah. I witnessed it. FEMA's? Not perfect, honestly. There's a lot of areas that they could improve on. <laughs> a lot. I will admit that. But... Bureaucracy
5: is what it is. What
3: I will say is that the money did come through. Yeah. Like, that was real. But you do have to sign.
5: I know. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll get some great things. But it's just... If a Hawaiian or a local person sat down and talked to them... Yeah. Instead of... No, I get it. Someone from FEMA... From I the get mainland it. that don't connect with the local people. Have local people talking to local people. You know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I hope everybody understands that.
3: There's no trust. And with no good trust. reason, I don't blame them right. for not trusting. I yeah. don't blame them at all. I just want them to, like, it kills me because I want them to get the help that yeah. they deserve I mean, I and want are them entitled to, get, to.
5: I want them to get the help, too. But I think you got to sit down, local people with local people, and explain it to them how FEMA's going to help them. Yeah. And not have FEMA explaining it.
3: No, I totally They're going to trust those people. I totally agree.
5: Okay. Why didn't they have fire and rescue as well as military choppers with water bombers to help put out the fires? It was impossible to get those helicopters over the ocean water and in the air under 60 to 80 mile per hour winds and waves from the hurricane or tropical storm, uh, Dora, on the day of the fires. Now, I have a suggestion for the county of Maui. So, why not have a calm, small lake pond filled with water located somewhere behind Lahaina? So under similar conditions, perhaps that could be used under emergency conditions. And if the water's not used one year, maybe you can let some of that out to go into the mm-hmm. areas that need water.
3: I love that idea.
5: You know, why not do this? I mean, maybe the other islands could do this. If Kaneohe was burning, which it never would because it's so green,
3: mm-hmm.
5: you could easily go over to Houmalohia and the choppers could go right into the right into the reservoir in the lake right there and pull the water. That's true. So Right behind Lahaina, that would be great if they had, like, a pond or a small lake. uh, That they had an extra water supply, and if they maintained it. And if it's not needed, divert some of the water out to where it's needed. I don't know why this hasn't happened. I don't know why it wasn't done. Am I missing something?
3: I don't know, but it makes (sighs) sense to me.
5: Yeah. Okay, I may sound naive here, but would they go as far as committing murder to build an AI city? Smart city? Absolutely not. That's absurd. I think we've covered. Yeah, this. Yeah, we addressed that already. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. No, they would never do that. But it's it's just people, just you know, it's like um, they're so distrustful. Well, we're, we're all distrustful of our are, government. Let's be honest. We
3: are, and it's especially prevalent here <laughs> Hawaii. in Hawaii. So I mean, I I don't judge any of these questions. No.
5: What I don't understand is why it took them one week to answer where the head of the Maui Emergency Management <laughs> Agency was at the, ni- at the night of the Lahaina fires. If he was in Oahu at a FEMA event, why didn't they say that on day one or two? It's really fishy. See, when this is true. When it you put true. this stuff together and you start putting, oh, it was you know, they went to see FEMA and FEMA's here now making all this money and, and you're starting to put everything together, you could really go down the rabbit hole. And you could really go, oh, I don't know about this. I'll tell you why. Because it was an embarrassment and disgrace. What was he going to say?
3: No, he, he, he probably should have come back immediately, and he didn't, right? So he's probably well, embarrassed.
5: Of course. Yeah. That's exactly why, because it was already too late. He showed up the day before, and then he disappeared for a week. He was probably hiding somewhere, because he didn't know how he was going to do that first first press conference a week later, and it was a complete disaster when he did. He should have been fired. Now, he, he was, you know, listen. <laughs> I'm sure listen.
3: he was like, do you feel like he was maybe kind of given a choice, like, or told to go? Uh,
5: do you know why he was probably given a choice? Of course he was given a choice. Yeah. Why do you think he was given a choice uh, to hand in his papers? So means- he can keep his retirement. Oh. I, I mean, it. hello. So, yeah, they said, hey, you know what? Either you step down tomorrow or we're yeah. firing you. And that's it for you. Yeah, so that's what happened. I guarantee you that's what happened.
1: Makes you know? sense, yeah.
5: And um, the thing is is that he wasn't the only one. There had been many others at the conference that should have been on Maui. But they haven't had to stand in front of a press conference and explain themselves like he did a horrible job doing. <laughs> And honestly, I don't think anyone's ever gonna see their faces.
3: No, nobody'll ever know. No,
5: the guy who took the fall was Herman Adiah, and that's it. And Herman Adiah is gonna go down in history.
3: <laughs> that's for sure.
5: That, that's the end of it. That's like the guy who went to go catch the ball at uh, Wrigley Field there with the Cubs. He screwed it up, man, and and, and he have he had to leave. Chica- he had to leave Chicago, and this guy's probably gonna have to leave Hawaii. I mean, I'm being honest. I don't know what's gonna happen to him. I don't know. This was just a complete disaster. And, and and it should have never taken a week for him to come out and no, come I, in front of, of the people not. and do this. I mean, yeah. I've never seen such a thing. The head of the emergency a week later shows his face after all this. I've never heard of such a thing.
3: Yeah. So, and it's interesting, too, because, I don't know, I mean, I remember listening to the governor kind of, like, explain his rationale yeah. after that press conference. Yeah. And kind of sounded like he was backing him up and supporting him. But then I saw another video <laughs> clip. No, but then I saw another video clip where like... I know what you're going like, to say. I wish that <laughs> the emergency sirens had sounded. So, I mean, <laughs> it's uh, just... It's confusing. Did you, did you
5: actually see the close-up on his face? Yeah. Because he's defending him on one press conference? Well, and because
3: he probably felt like he had to defend him, I would they, guess. They... Listen,
5: I'll tell you. I've never seen Hawaii... Hawaii's politicians and representatives go into such heavy defense mode in the first two or three days of this event. I've never seen them be so defensive and upset and angry at normal questions being asked. Like, what happened? Yeah,
1: well... Because
5: they were angry at the time, very emotional, but they also knew that this is a... We effed up. This is a disaster. All right. If you've been following us, (laughs) following the podcast, then you know... The issues I've had with the state, right? I mean... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, of Hawaii. And, And, you know, with the podcast on Maui, it just comes to the fact that nothing's changed. Everything we have discussed comes down to the same issues I've had with the government here. And I was trying to find the right words, but I know it's complacency, corruption, and the lack of taking responsibility for the failures while blaming others. Unfortunately for the souls who have lost their lives and the families who lost everything, these concerns finally caught up with the government leaders of the state, and there's no one else to blame but themselves. That's just the way it is. The
3: whole it, situation is just heartbreaking. I can't even think of another word for it. I'm just... It's re- devastating. It's
5: devastating. I can't imagine for the families losing that in Lahaina that have lost everything.
3: I cannot. And I had to stop. At first, after this happened for like two weeks, I just couldn't stop consuming the news. I couldn't sleep for a week. No, I'm talking, yeah, that too. I still can't sleep. Yeah. But at first, I couldn't stop watching the videos and reading the news. And I just like obsessively was consuming it. And then I realized like I had to take a step back because... It's just heart-wrenching and like especially the reels you're watching like locals who survived Posting I just I I couldn't like you know the stories about how my kid has all of his friends are dead and I just Had (sighs) to take a step back from it
5: This is this is really gonna affect Not only of course, it's going to horribly affect Maui But it's gonna affect all the Hawaiian Islands and it's going to have repercussions for the next decade. Okay. I can't believe that Hawaii has dealt with so much pain and suffering since COVID and then have to deal with what's happening right now. And once again, on a bigger scale, this is one thing Hawaii and the, the politicians here just didn't learn. Once again, what did they say was going to happen over COVID? What were we going to change?
3: We were going to become self sustainable? Yes. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And then nothing happened. How did that go? Yeah, it go- went great. <laughs> and
5: how is it going now that Maui is not self-sustaining? Because they were still relying on tourism. Yeah. And now they're suffering because of that. Once again, f- three years later, after we were supposed to be more sustainable, we were supposed to be more on our own, we were supposed to be exploiting more agriculture, we were supposed to have more farming, Maui is supposed to be doing the same thing, and we were supposed to become less reliable on tourism. It's been a very super, 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 super slow process in that direction. Too slow, the no. way Hawaii always Actually, works.
3: Actually, nothing's happened.
5: No, little things. There's been restrictions. There's less tourism as in like you have oh, to make yeah, reservations. Yeah. You have to do this. You have to do that. Yes.
3: But in terms of being self-sustainable, no, I have stuff. not seen anything happen.
5: No. In that area, no. And that's the weird thing too, right? Because they're making restrictions on vacationers, but they're not doing the other part. They're not doing the part. Right. Once again. The whole part. <laughs> they're not doing the Right. They're not doing the part for the people. Yeah. And I don't understand what's going on. <sighs> Best place to donate. We've been hearing a lot of things about where to donate, where not to donate. We know one solid place that everybody can get, donate. Yeah. And that's Maui Strong, which is the Hawaii Community Foundation.
3: So I think that, are you going to link this in the show notes? Yeah.
5: But yeah. I'm going to say the site right now. It's hawaiicommunityfoundation.org slash maui dash strong and you can donate there that's the best one to donate for sure
3: i just want to make a comment because I, i know that i've seen people encouraging this so i just want to say please be very careful if donating by venmo or paypal because there are lots of scams going on of course don't you're really discouraged from using any kind of like venmo or paypal or anything like that um I know that a lot of people think that might be going directly to the individuals and maybe for some it is, but there are so many scammers out there taking your money. Just please be careful with that.
5: Right now, there's a lot of products on Facebook and Instagram and advertising saying, oh, Maui Strong shirts. And, and you know, they say this is how they word it. And it's, it's advertising all over Facebook. A percentage goes to this. What percentage? 2%? 1%?
3: That's not even what I meant, though. No,
5: this is a whole other thing. This is a whole other thing. This is advertising to make profits off of the event. So they're selling their shirts. They're doing this. Now, Upside Down Aloha with Ed. That's 100%. 100% is going to the victims of Maui. Awesome.
3: My nonprofit did the same thing. We did a t-shirt 100%. Excellent. Goes to them, yeah.
5: But just don't see a shirt on an ad on Facebook and say, Oh, that shirt's beautiful. Let me donate. You don't know if 1% or less is going to the victims. So at least with this one you do, and you can give it to the Maui Food Bank as uh, as well, because people are going to need a lot of food. (sighs) Lastly, let's talk about this.
3: Okay, so say what you're going to (laughs) say. Yeah,
5: when it comes to vacationing on Maui, starting today, Maui is open. West Maui Lahaina is not open. Please know the difference and respect the local community. If you go to Maui, make no attempts to go to the west side. Take pictures of the destruction and all that horrible crap. Be respectful. Be aloha. People are suffering. Businesses are going out of business. Everybody's on unemployment. FEMA is not helping those people over on the other side of the island. That's true. So if those businesses go under... Uh, Maui, the entire island, is going to be devastated.
3: I'm just going to add to this. Because I I agree. I think that Maui needs to stay open to sustain all the local families who work in tourism 100%. um, All the local businesses. But I do want you to all be aware that a lot of residents do not want any tourism in Maui right now now at all. It's a double-edged sword. So there's a divide happening and if you if you are on social media and you follow Hawaii posts, reels, whatever, I'm sure you see the divide. There's a lot of locals who do not want anybody coming to Maui at all right now. They want time to heal. They want you to stay away, and they're very vocal about it. With that said, there's a lot of people who are saying, please come to Maui. They're begging tourists to come to Maui and obviously stay out of West Maui, especially Lahaina, but all of West Maui because they need the money Tourism to feed their families, to be able to keep their businesses open,
5: to keep their homes, to
3: keep their homes. So there is a huge divide happening. So the, I just yeah. wanted to mention that part yeah, too of because there,
5: the huge divide goes deeper than that, though, because you have. You know, you have one section over away from the west side that needs the business, that needs to keep their businesses going, or they're going to lose everything as well, like Lahaina. And then you have a group of people who don't need tourism at all and just don't want tourism here, period, anyways. That also went with COVID. That's That's exactly what I was saying. uh, Yeah, that's also going with, you know, the way Maui is right now. Every island. There's some people who just don't want tourism. There's some people who love tourists, show the aloha, want you to come and experience their islands, want you to understand the culture. In the lifestyle. And this is a decision that you're going to have to make on your own from what you hear, from what you see. I'm not going to tell you not to do something, is what I'm saying. I'm not going to tell you to do one way or another. All we can do is ge- inform you right. of the situation and then you make the decision. Now, if you have the opportunity to go to Maui and stay away from the west side, and let's say you go for two weeks, you enjoy the whole the side of Maui, Okay, you know, Hana and all that stuff.
3: Maybe Paia. go yeah, up there. Yeah,
5: but you want to donate and volunteer your time in distributing uh, food, clothing, everything else in Lahaina. Figure that out ahead of time. Talk to FEMA, talk to Red Cross, talk to all these people so you have a plan to go down and help for several days.
3: And that's awesome. Do that. But you have to be, just so you know, you do have to be on the volunteer list. You yes, can't just show right, up, they will right, turn you away. Right.
5: So do this before you take mm-hmm. your trip to Maui. Yeah. Have this ready and set up to do something, to give back. So it doesn't feel like you're... Oh, how's the right way? do I say this? You don't want to go to Maui and feel dirty. Is that the right word I'm saying? Like it you don't want right, to... Right. Yeah, like, you give back while you're there. Go help some of these people if you can. But set it up ahead of time before you leave.
3: a lot of people who I have spoken to because I... It's like people just come out of the woodworks and I've been getting all these messages. Oh, my daughter's honeymoon is in Maui next month. And like all of these like similar messages. What should we do? Should they cancel? Blah, blah, blah. And um, what I'm getting from talking to these people is that there's like a sense of guilt. Like they feel like they can't come have fun and celebrate when all these people I are suffering.
5: That. I understand that. But you know what? the family business the small business that put that wedding together for you they will be devastated
3: no i get it if you don't
5: go through with your wedding but i do understand
3: i get both sides yeah yeah i really do both sides and that's what i'm trying to tell people is like it's a decision it's a personal decision honestly
5: a decision like that why don't you talk to the family that set the wedding up for you and ask them do you know what I mean? Mm,
3: like, that's true. Yeah, should we that's come? true.
5: Let's be honest. Do you feel comfortable us coming? Should we do this? Can you help us? Can you set up something for us that while we have our wedding here, can, can we do something for Lahaina? Can we volunteer and give back? Call and, and, and talk to the people who have put the wedding together for you, what you can do to help Maui. Yeah, that's a great and idea. And also be there. So then maybe you won't feel the way you, you know you just explained. Something like that.
3: Yeah, no, that's a great idea for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard decision. There's no right or wrong answer. I mean, obviously, if you come, be like you said, just please be respectful. Please volunteer to help out. Just give back and just, I don't know. Just understand that Hawaii is in crisis right now. And a lot of people over there, even if they're not on West Maui, they're traumatized.
5: We've been in crisis since 2020.
3: No, but I mean. It's uh, no, do you know <laughs> what I mean? Though, like yeah. Hawaii
5: has been in a lot of a big crisis for. I mean, things have changing here, man. Things are changing here fast. Like I've never seen it like this. This is so like we've been getting hit by so much, and now for this to happen, it's just uh, it's very painful to see such amazing people hurt. Yeah. Like this.
3: Definitely.
5: Oh, so I think that's gonna it's gonna wrap this one up.
3: I wanted to mention. Something. Oh, please
5: mention some more stuff right now.
3: <laughs> Today is my aunt Susan's birthday, and she oh. is a patron. Okay. So I just wanted to wish her a very happy birthday.
5: Okay, that, that's a great way to end the podcast. I know I
3: feel bad doing it in this <laughs> podcast, but it would be way too late if we did the next one. And I also feel really bad because during this, I know we have missed some patron birthdays. We, we normally have, try we hard to announce yeah. them. I know we missed some, and I am sorry. We've been very consumed with this. So
5: happy birthday then! <laughs> yes. We're probably not going to do a song no, and make it no cheerful, song. but but happy birthday. Yes, but and we, yes, yeah. She
3: will be back to Oahu the end of October. Can't wait. Yeah,
5: and then your parents too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so we're going to end this podcast with Lahaina Luna by the Makaha Sons. Hmm. So Maui strong. Maui, Maui strong. strong. Aloha everyone, and continue to send your love and thoughts to Maui and donate
3: are we doing a shoot no i don't think so okay we're just gonna say aloha aloha
5: all right
4: That officer right away range. Aloha. Whether it's porno, Mikai, still the same. I don't care how you look at it, it's still aloha. Be porno. Be righteous.